Hello and welcome to this latest episode from iGaming FM, the online betting and gaming sector's talk radio show. As often, we have an eclectic mix of content lined up. Last week, producer Ali and I were at iGaming Next in sunny Malta chatting to business leaders about company culture. And we have contributions on that topic from a startup, an operator and a leading corporate services provider. Later on, we hear from Huddle CEO and co-founder Francesco Borgasano, who reflects on an exciting first year for the startup. But firstly, with Safer Gambling Week beginning on November the 1st, Square in the Air's Ian Donegan speaks to Elizabeth Oost, Sustainability Manager at Aspire Global. All of that inside 30 minutes. This is not just another iGaming podcast. Ahead of Safer Gambling Week, we spoke to Aspire Global's Lisbeth Oost about the wider Safer Gambling agenda and Aspire's role in it. To introduce Lisbeth, here's the unmistakable Irish brogue of squaring the airs, Ian Donegan. So as sustainability manager, you're living and breathing sustainability and ethical marketing and responsible gaming all year round. When Safer Gambling Week is coming up, is that like Christmas for you? Yes, this is absolutely a week where everything comes together and uh, I'm very happy to work on this and Aspire Global fully supports the uh, Safer Gambling Week across uh, industry initiative in the UK and Ireland and it takes place in the first week uh, of November. Um, it's focused around like benefiting and, and bringing, raising awareness, uh, not just responsible gaming, safer gambling, but all aspects around sustainability. I mean, we've, we've seen that issue take off in, in a huge way. But what is uh, Aspire Global doing specifically um, as a result of this? So during the week, Aspire Global is an official supporter of Safer Gambling Week, which will mean that all our brand or casino websites, they will face Safer Gambling Week messages on their uh, landing page, pre-login, post-login, also on social media and, and an email campaign. And besides that, we wanted to give more attention to what we do on research and academic collaboration. We are collaborating with Bournemouth University in the UK on Safer Gambling Research. We're sharing data of players who have agreed uh, to be part of this survey and we will actually get the researcher from Bournemouth over to Malta to our head office and we will prepare a session here which will be streamed live as well and it will be all around how can the industry and academic institutions work together and raise the standards in safer gambling because it's not a one-way street we won't only give them the data but we would also like to get the insights back at the end of the of the research so we can learn from it we can adjust our operations and make them more more safe. We will publish the link uh, close to the date. It will be on the 2nd of November. Oh, that's great. And will that be open for anyone to attend? Yes, it will be public. There are a couple of companies participating in this research, but they're always looking for more because the bigger sample of, of uh, data they can get, the better the research in the end will, will be. What do you know about the research so far? It's still ongoing, but they gather a lot of data. We give them all the data from, from their accounts, from their time play, what exactly uh, are, are the time zones they in and, and at what time of the day they play, how much they deposit, like a lot. And we want to be very transparent with them and, and give them everything uh, they need because this is how we can support research. And in the end, that's also good for the industry because we can learn from that and improve ourselves. But the uh, results are not out yet. Uh, it will be like a half a year study. So mm -hmm. then we will get um, to know more. 
Do you think there is a greater appreciation in in the industry now than, say, there was? Yeah, I believe recent developments have seen sustainability in the iGaming industry go from more of an afterthought to an important cornerstone of an operator's overall strategy, with executives uh, appreciating the needs and embracing the principles of responsible gambling, but also the overall sustainability topics. I see in in my job that there are more people doing similar jobs in other companies, which is a really good thing. And overall, the topic of sustainability is more discussed. It's more on the agenda. People want to learn more about it. And it's also the regulator who speaks more about it. It's also being pushed more and more from all different kinds of stakeholders or investors. They want to see us performing sustainable in a certain way. So you see an overall trend of sustainability being pushed from an investment point of view. And I think this is happening in iGaming especially as well. We look at the specific sustainability um, topics it's the so-called, so-called ESG, the environment, the social and the government's factors. And in, investors are increasingly applying these factors as part of the analysis to process material risk and growth opportunities in the company. And this, of course, they use again whether to decide whether to invest or not. Looking at the, the, the wider industry, we're seeing a lot more countries regulate, but we're, we're seeing a lot more countries regulate in stricter ways. And uh, I, I mean, taking... The Netherlands, as, as, as one example, it's impossible to advertise in the Dutch language or even have, have Dutch, Dutch symbols. And one issue that we've identified for operators is the number of affiliates that they tend to have, sometimes dozens and dozens. Policing them and ensuring that they remain compliant, it just seems like an impossibility. Can you talk to the risks that operators are facing in, in making sure that their their affiliates remain compliant and, and what happens if they're not? Yeah, you touched a really important topic here. It becomes a major problem for operators when they have a huge amount of affiliate partners promoting their content. And how do you make sure your marketing and your brand is safe out there? Uh, there's a high level of engagement uh, for operators and it's not uncommon there that there might be non-compliant copy uh, or misleading information or, or devious redirects out there. And it's the responsibility of the operator to be in charge of that. So how, how we do this? And, and we have thankfully seen a, a number of technology equipment we have been, been using. And this has been um, very, very helpful because we want to make sure our relations with, with affiliates keep on being good and our brand keeps on being safe. The recent developments when it comes to AI and machine learning, where you have the ability to use the technology and incorporate your logo, your uh, language restrictions, or other restrictions you don't want to be associated with and you get all the results out there and the, the system is smart. At Aspire, we collaborate with um, a product called Rightlander and it helps us to keep our partners' brands safe. So we run the tests uh, weekly and we check every site that comes out of that technology and we check them manually. But of course, this is only a few websites instead of like thousands. So that's actually doable. So technology has been helping us uh, a lot to be in charge of affiliate marketing. And Rightlander, is that available across your platform? Yes. Uh, how we work is we, we offer it to, to our partners, but we have a marketing compliance manager at our platform. 
and he is um, helping the partners to to be compliant. So he is running the tests, and then he will discuss with the partners to to see what needs to be addressed. Are you looking forward to um, uh, Safer Gambling Week? I, I assume it's a big week for you. Yes, it's a big week, and I'm looking a lot forward because we're also working on uh, different kind of kind of topics besides the, the, what we said, like the operators participating, and we have the researcher coming over. It's it's a week where we create dialogue with each other and we learn mm. from each other and we share expertise and I'm very looking forward to attend a lot of industry colleagues at events and, and panels as well because I'm sure there will be a lot um, of interesting talk. That all speaks to sustainability's role really growing and evolving over the last couple of years. Has that been your experience as sustainability manager? I would like to put this a bit in perspective because in my opinion, uh, a gambling point of view, when it, when we look at sustainability, we talk about three different levels. And at its, at the first level, it's, it's the simplest level. You have to take uh, social responsibility seriously because not doing so might put your license in jeopardy and not having your license in a good standing is of course not sustainable and not in the long or the, or the short run. But when we develop this thinking a little bit further, if you have sustainability in your DNA as a company, you're probably better equipped to comply when new regulation is introduced with the objective to reduce uh, social harm. And chances that the company that focuses on sustainability is better equipped uh, from a technical and an operational and organizational point of view. When there are changing demands happening in the in the regulation or new markets you want to go in. So this is the trend we're seeing out there. Especially now there's a lot of consolidation happening in the industry and a large global companies are often active in a lot of uh, markets and they need to adapt and comply with a varying set of standards. And they also need and they do take sustainability very seriously and they choose their partners and their M&A with companies that do the same. So I believe cross-jurisdictional compliance is made easier when sustainability is incorporated as part of a business's DNA. And then I believe we have a third level, which is a lot focused on the operational and it's focused on customer retention. And we have seen on the UKGC's website, for example, they go beyond the more more legal obligation and describe to businesses what sustainable business uh, means to them. And I think it's it's very much how we see it as well. They say like, if you proactively interact at an early enough uh, and in the right way, you can help keep your customers, your players in control and you will retain them longer. So instead of burning them out in the short run, you can create that sustainable and long-term relationship between you and your customer, which in the end will be a better relationship for both parties. And this thinking we have seen developing, and I'm really happy with that, that the companies have embraced this. They've realized in the long term, we can take a sustainable player and keep them with us for a really long time, or we can keep them with us in the short run. And this is seen on the UKGC's website. So I, I feel businesses and regulators are coming closer together on the more operational, close to customer retention point. Well, it's really good to see that go from being, as you said, an afterthought to being something that can actively benefit business. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, it sounds like you've got a busy week ahead of you with uh, CFA Gambling Week. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Elizabeth, and thanks too to Ian on interview duties. At iGaming Next in Malta last week, we asked some of the high-profile guests whether they thought company culture and employer branding had become more important in a post-COVID world. Here's the thoughts of Carolina Peltz, 
founder and CEO of Beyond Play, formerly Shared Play. I think the company culture has always been important, but the one thing I've learned is that you can't create the company culture on your own before you have your team. Because at the very beginning when I was founding the business, obviously I've gone through the exercise of identifying our values and what the culture is supposed to be. And then I decided to scrap that all because culture is supposed to be created by your team and by the people that you hire. And that's exactly what's happening with us right now. The culture gets more and more defined, the bigger we get. Um, and people really enjoy that, that they have influence on the culture. And I think this is what really makes us unique um, in the industry because we're still quite small. So we can be flexible. We can really accommodate to what people are wanting at the moment. And especially when it comes to attracting women into gaming and also attracting software developers, which are such a scarce resource at the moment. Post-COVID, the digital acceleration, there's shortage of hundreds of thousands of software developers. So you really need to brand yourself and use culture as part of the branding, uh, that you're flexible, that you're not just having a set of benefits where it's work from home and flexible hours, but that you're flexible. And whether this is work from home, work from the office or unpaid holiday leave, you're meeting the needs of your employees, even if it's on one on one basis. Obviously, it's easier to say when you're a seven people strong startup. But I think if we start to champion that approach now and try to set our eyes on this goal for the future, we will grow in the right direction. And do you think, reading in between the lines there, it sounds like there's more control with the employee now, or with the prospective employee, than perhaps there was. They don't feel the need to take a job that doesn't suit them. I mean, in quite the same way anyway. Absolutely. And I think it goes specifically when you're trying to hire from niche demographics, whether that's women, whether that's software developers that are super in demand, or whether that's gaming industry people with experience, especially at the executive level. There's not that many of them, you know? So it's it's totally at the point where they choose where they want to work because they all have abundance of offers. Um, so you're not fighting against one or two companies. Usually it's around five, six opportunities that they have, and they need to choose you uh, rather than you choose them. So when we did interviews, and this was also a big wake-up call for me, I joined every single interview even though you can count them in, in tens, you know, because it was important that it's my voice that is heard, that I can introduce myself, that I can introduce the company, I can talk about the vision and I can show them from the very first contact that I'm present and I'm going to be shaping this culture and I'm not bullshitting anyone, you know. I, I go all the way to the length of talking about the equity that they get in the business and I get into details that I've never been given before because I want them to feel we are transparent now and will remain transparent. And this transparency and honesty is one of the key things that people highlight when they actually join what attracted them to the business in the first place. Carolina there highlighting current recruitment difficulties. On the rooftop of the Mediterranean Conference Centre in Valletta, we also spoke to Russell Mifsud, Director and Head of Gaming for KPMG Malta. I think essentially when we first started to see the impact of COVID, everyone was really excited to go back work from home and when you saw the output levels that were coming about they were at least as good as they were when everyone was working at the office and the struggle is that when you start to look at many of the expats in particular or new joiners of a particular company they were who don't necessarily who aren't necessarily integrated within the culture and don't know the people and don't know what the company is all about that starts to become tough and you start to see a bit of a drain then on on, on resources and on engagement levels even elements of depression that came about now that we've started to go back into some form of normality or kind of hybrid mode going forward, I think the game has really changed. So when we start looking at like people and change and leadership, it's not a matter of just leading people as you used to them before COVID. You're also having to lead them then remotely. And that requires a different set of skills, different set of measures to be able to assess, engage and motivate. 
I think when we're looking at where the future is going to go, I think that we are going to carry on seeing remote working to some extent. Different employers may have it at 100%, 90%, 70%, 40% and so on. I think it is uh, an aspect that many new recruits are asking employers, not just within the gaming sphere. In that context, you feel that new potential new recruits or employees feel more empowered now. They feel they can ask the things maybe they couldn't before. They have expectations that are different. I think one of the first questions that they're asking beyond that of what's the salary is, can is this is this role remote? And I think people have got a taste for working remotely, whether it's them doing so from their homes or in their home countries, mm -hmm. or perhaps doing it where they go off then to the likes of Thailand for three months and work over there. I think the element of culture is really, really core. I'm going to remain really core to an organization. And it's more difficult to do so when you don't have the audience or the, the staff, the team under one roof. And I think that this has started to give rise then to the wider element of ESG. And I think that this is something that's going to start um, turning a lot of heads and there's going to be a one extra reason as to why somebody looks towards a company when we look at culture. We want to understand what the company's about, what is it doing today, what is it doing tomorrow and what's it trying to be. And I think that that's going to have um, an overall impact then going forward. I think ESG is going to prove to be a strategic feather in, in employers' hats today. I think that culture and, and all of that stuff is going to remain important, but it's going to have to try and find a different means of trying to have that come across. Certainly a more cautionary tone from Russell. Finally on this topic, I talked to Martina Akeland, CEO of Sweden-based operator Triggy. I think that company culture is more important than ever. Uh, just just a reflection from, from iGaming Next. Uh, Pierre, when he held his opening speech, it was really... Uh, genuine uh, from the heart how happy he was to to finally be able to meet again um, I, I, I spoke to him afterwards and he told that he was uh, really like in relaxed clothing to like even even emphasize like um, uh, we are just people together uh, and also uh, in the uh, the panel with the um, uh, next kind of or the future CEO also reflected about that they were really uh, genuine. And I think that post-COVID that most of us have reflected on what's important in life uh, and, and we want to go do things that feels good in our hearts. Uh, the, the place uh, or the company where you spend eight, nine, ten hours a day, of course, affects that a lot. So I think it's, it's more important than ever because people are really uh, thinking about what's important to them. Uh, and of course, salary is important to keep your employees but also to to have employees that can be their best i think that company culture and your own values as employed it's really important for them to be in line uh, otherwise you will have a crash either in yourself or you will you will have a crash when working uh, in a company uh, so for both um, employees and for the company to be their best going forward i think that uh, the the people and the culture has to be in line. I also posed Martina the same question I'd asked Carolina, and that's whether the employee and not the employer is now holding all the cards. 
Well, it's the it's the employees market. Um, we all know as, as companies how difficult to find the best employees. Um, we, we have a, a big amount of uh, unemployed, uh, but as a company, we are all struggling with uh, with hiring and keeping uh, the best ones. Uh, so it is an, uh, the employees market. Uh, and that's why this is also extremely important because, of course, some people, they will always choose the employee with a higher a salary, but but most people, um, company culture and and being flexible and other kind of things. Uh, as long as you have a, a salary that is in line with your market value, uh, those things are the things that you can affect uh, as uh, as a company uh, to keep your employees. Now to Huddle, a software provider to betting and gaming operators founded just last year. Co-founder and CEO Francesco Borgasano is chatting here to Square in the Air director James Bennett. James does a little intro for Francesco and sets it up nicely, so I'll leave you in his safe hands. Hi Francesco, and welcome to iGaming FM, Square in the Air's relatively new podcast. We've done a few episodes. Huddle obviously is a, is a pretty new business. Yourself, Leo Gaspar and Mario Delican, all formerly of SimpleBet, founded the business in late 2020 with around $3 million worth of funding and the intention to disrupt the betting industry, providing a data-driven solution to help operators innovate and reduce costs. So um, could you just quickly tell us how 2021 has been since you started the business and what have been your key milestones so far? We actually got together in summer 2021. So uh, we start up the business without uh, the ability to meeting each other. So that's been uh, a bit challenging, but at the same time, it's been amazing to see uh, the team growing and get up to 25, which is our current roster. We are operationally split between London, Zagreb, and the United States. Seeing the team and seeing the excitement and the commitment from the team has been amazing. And in terms of milestone, also, you know, each member went far and beyond to deliver our first product in a timely fashion just in a few months, uh, a product that we aim to commercialize by the end of this year. There seems to be a sort of new wave of gambling companies coming through, or technology companies at least, not just focused on gambling, but with the ability to kind of go across different industries. Would you say that there's been, you know, there's a bit of a turning point at the moment with, with technology companies looking at gambling? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think PASPA has been a pivotal moment for this industry. I was lucky to have the opportunity to live and work in the United States between 2018 and early 2021. And I think the you know, US are just bringing, as you said, a new way of thinking about technology very much in line with what you see uh, in the Silicon Valley or, you know, any e-commerce or any other industries where technology is a key factor for success. You know, for us, this is not a surprise in the sense that technology, it's a big uh, factor in this industry and definitely one of the focus area for the entire industry at this moment. But just the way of thinking has definitely shifted with, you know, a way more transparent communication with 
other even competitors uh, you know i i speak on a daily basis with other startup founders and other persons involved in the ecosystems and we share ideas we brainstorm way of thinking so i think definitely that has been very exciting for, for people like me and refreshing as you said for people who has been in this for a while to see that that change can we can we maybe dig into your dig a bit deeper into your business model and and, and product roadmap and how how does that differ from the legacy providers that are out there at the moment? So Huddle is a software provider and we build advanced and proprietary data-driven solutions for the betting and gaming industry. We are building our technology from the from the ground up and we use a microservice uh, reactive infrastructure and that will allow us to deploy and commercialize each component uh, independently and will also make easier for our partners to integrate our product and our services in a very lightweight fashion. I think the main difference from legacy system is that legacy systems were built for a different uh, for a different use case. They were built for a single market and the, the main goal for such technology was the stability of the systems. In terms of product roadmap, in the immediate term, we are focused on delivering innovative and fully automated solution for odds making and risk. So that's actually the product that we are aiming to commercialize by the end of this year. Why does the industry need a solution such as yours? And who are you really appealing to? Who are you, who's your target customer? Pasta. It's been a pivotal moment for the industry. And now since 2018, the betting and gaming industry is changing at an unprecedented rate. Uh, you know, the global market is expanding with states within the US and countries around the world regulating sports betting almost on a daily basis. And the expansion of regulated market is increasing the demand for scalable and fully customizable technology solutions because as you can imagine, now there is a need to operate in multiple jurisdictions. The product demand is different for each country. In order to address a demand for a scalable and customizable solution, you know, we believe that uh, there is a need to rethink about technology. There is a need to uh, rethink about the way solutions have been built for this industry historically. So that's that's why we, we got together and that's why we started coming. And what impact do you think you can make? What's your What's your vision? Yeah, so our ultimate goal is the true potential of data in the betting and gaming industry. As I said, mm -hmm. in the immediate term, our focus is trading and risk management. Those are actually areas where in other industries like finance, banking, you know, algorithmic solutions have been adopted successfully and are de facto the standard in, in this industry when it comes to trading mm -hmm. risk. So that's the, as I said, the most immediate use case and an area that I'm very familiar with. I started this industry as a, as a quant, so it's kind of my bread and butter. But then I would say, generally speaking, in the long term, we believe that you know, thanks to a data-driven approach and reactive technology, we'll be able to enable our partners to operate effectively while unlocking product and user experience innovation, mm -hmm. which is needed in a, in a global market for even established players. As I said. I've been in the industry for, for a decade now, but I've never seen the interest from, I would say, not only industry practitioner, but even from investors and media community and people uh, around this industry is, is just unprecedented. So in terms of your own culture then, I just wanted to quickly touch on that. You, you built this new business and what kind of culture are you, are you looking to, to develop and foster? I think the culture is actually the most important aspect for us founders and for the leadership team in general, because 
especially in a startup where you have you know a team of 25 people it's very important to foster and nurture a collaborative and inclusive culture where everyone feel ownership of the project and everyone feel mm -hmm. the engagement and the reward of delivering value value to the business so this is really a priority for the founding team and we try to nurture that on a daily basis with constant and transparent communication we have daily stand-ups we have weekly newsletters and we try also to be very open as open as possible on the business side because you know in a startup it's very different from working in a corporate environment so i think for every member of the team it's important to have a feeling on how the business is growing what's the strategy of the business because then they have a better understanding of how their day-to-day -day work really has an impact and really makes an impact on the on the strategy on the success of the, mm. the business and you're attracting a lot of um people are you senior people from the industry who are leaving large corporates to join you i mean we announced uh, that zelsko uh, pekovic is joining you as the new vp of compliance and she was at the stars group for 10 years and i know that you know other people have, have joined you or are joining you from from other you know competitive businesses such as canby or william hill or entain lots of brands and big suppliers yeah i mean first of all yeah you mentioned Jelica and we are very happy to have her on board for many reasons you know she is very passionate about this industry she has massive experience as you said from stars group especially when it comes to compliance you know i'm also former stars group you know it's, yeah. has always been has always been a, a center of excellence when it comes to operation and compliance and yeah i think the main reason is actually tied to to the previous question i think our industry is, is full of talented and passionate people however you know at times working in a corporate environment can be very challenging because you know there are many people involved and it's very difficult to sometimes prioritize innovation uh, rather than making sure that the business is still running as usual and, and generating profit so sometimes you can feel constrained in a corporate environment where joining huddle you, you join a true a truly agile and a truly dynamic environment where you really can make it and that's as i said that's the type of culture that we're trying to build and you know we, we're trying to bring that type of approach well yeah thank you thank you for your time uh francesco on this i just wanted to end with a quick last question because i know you mentioned at the beginning of when we started working with you you're even going to share some of your source code at some stage can you tell me a bit more about that i'm, I'm keen to know more we pride ourselves to be a, a technology company. I mean, we work in the sports betting and gaming industry because that's kind of our background from the founding team and from the leadership. But at the core, Huddle is a technology company. And we are facing very difficult problems from in terms of like technology and engineering and data engineering. We are very involved with engineering community. We are active in forums and communities. We want to share our knowledge and we want to share our experience to just add value to the ecosystem and just contribute to that dynamic and to that vibrant mm. technology ecosystem that we're trying to bring into, into the sports and industry of course there are like certain aspects that we need to ip and protect but generally speaking we want to be very proactive in sharing our knowledge i'm always amazed at the tenacity and resolve shown by startups like huddle and indeed beyond play led of course by carolina pelts not pelk 
Thanks again to all contributors to this episode. And if you see Ellie and I or any of the Square in the Air team chatting with or filming guests at industry events, please come and say hi. Next up will be at SBC's Betting on Sports Europe at Stamford Bridge in London and then at Sigma back in Malta a week later. Hopefully we'll see you there. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>